Are you guys found that a whole lot funnier than first service did? <laughs> um, every time I see the guy jump on the treadmill and the shoes go over his head, I absolutely lose it. And I've seen that clip a couple of times. Uh, it comes with some bittersweet memories. Uh, I had my own falling moment. When I was a kid, I was in 4-H, and I was like 75 pounds soaking wet. Not that I've grown a lot. Um, but I had a sheep, which outweighed me by about 15 pounds. And a ref went down. Our judge picked up the sheep's hoof, and the sheep took off, and I didn't let go. And so I was drug around the ring. What felt like 10 minutes is probably like 30 seconds. So I have a little sympathy, but not, not too much. At least not too much not to laugh. My name's Evan. If you're new with us, thank you so much for coming out today. Um, we are excited. It's the beginning of a new series, and we're going to spend a few weeks together looking at something that affects every single one of our lives in multiple ways. And it's something that most of us don't see well in ourselves, and so we need a little help identifying it. It's something that keeps us from celebrating other people's successes, from initiating apologies, from admitting when we're lost or when we need help, or that we might not know exactly what we're doing. It keeps us from being honest with ourselves or with other people. It keeps us from learning new things because we always want to make it look like we know what's going on. It causes us to feel good when others fail, so maybe we shouldn't laugh too hard at the video. It causes us to cheat rather than lose, to lie about our pasts, to have to have the final word, to buy things to impress people who really aren't paying all that much attention anyway. Anyone take a stab at what the series is about? That's right. Aren't you excited? Yay, pride. We're not going to even talk about the good kind of pride. We're not going to talk about that feeling you get when you work hard and you accomplish something or somebody in your life does something well, because that wouldn't be any fun. We're going to talk about that ugly thing that creeps into our lives. It poisons us from the inside. It takes control away from us. C.S. Lewis wrote about it like this, unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all of that, they are mere flea bites in comparison. Pride leads to every other vice. It's something that's in all of us, whether or not we want to recognize it or admit it. It's something that has the ability to take over, to take control away from us. And the reason we don't often see it in ourselves, that we recognize it very well in other people, is because we tend to equate arrogance with pride. And most of us don't see ourselves as arrogant people, and rightly so. A lot of us don't see a whole lot of other people that way either. But pride doesn't always look like that. Pride hides in our lives. Pride shows up in different ways. And so sometimes we need a little help picking it out so that we can get rid of it. And we just got out of the series called Decisions, where we learned that wisdom is the key to making good decisions in our lives. And as an exercise or as a study together as a church, we read through Proverbs together. We just wrapped that up. And I don't know about you, but I found it to be an absolutely great study. I really enjoyed going back through Proverbs again. What I noticed over and over and over again is that pride shows up and never in a positive light. Proverbs 11.2 says, Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Proverbs 13.10 says, Pride leads to conflict. Those who take advice are wise. And Proverbs 29.23, Pride ends in humiliation, while humility brings honor. So aside from Jesus, the smartest guy to ever walk this earth 
figured it was important enough to write down multiple times as he's passing on his wisdom to future generations. So I figured we could spend a couple of weeks in it and figure out why it's important for us to recognize it in our lives. There's one more proverb I want to look at. Proverbs 16:18 says, "Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall." So we've all heard the phrase "pride goes before the fall." That comes from that Solomon had first on that. He did it first. Pride sets us up for failure. For failure in every aspect of our lives, our opportunities, our families, our relationships, our careers, pride takes control away from us and makes decisions for us and puts us on pathways that we don't want to be on. And it does it in a few specific ways. So pride diminishes us. Right? Pride makes us smaller, and it does that by taking away our capacity to admit, to apologize. And to acknowledge, these three things are extremely important in our relationships, whether it's at work or at home with friends and family. Because when we're prideful in a situation, we have a very hard time admitting that we're wrong, or maybe that we don't know everything that we're talking about. We have an inability to apologize to somebody else, even if we're in the wrong. We are unable to acknowledge that somebody else might have a better idea than what I have, or somebody else might know better what's going on than I do, or that they're just a great person. And hey, I want to be part of what they're doing. So pride takes that away from us. It instead has us make decisions that we don't want to be making, and completely opposite of what we should be doing to make those relationships better in our lives. So pride diminishes us. Pride crowds other people out. So when I'm full of me, when I'm prideful, I push everybody else out away from me. Right? I push them right up against the walls, and I say, "I don't want to hear from you anymore. I don't need what you have to say." Right? Pride deprioritizes those people in my life. I worked at the University of Delaware、um, and did tech for them, did computers, and I got a call one day and said, "Hey, you need to go out front. This guy can't set up his email account. He needs some help." Sure, no problem. So I walk out, and there's this older gentleman. Um, who obviously wasn't real comfortable with what he was doing, and he decides that he needs to set up an email account with the university. And so I said, "Okay, no problem. Grab the mouse, click up here, and we'll get you started." And he picked up the mouse and clicked the screen. And so I said, "No, no." And I physically, I put his hand down here. Okay, no, I need you to click. And he did it a second time, <laughs> click the screen. And in my pride, instead of teaching him the way to do it, I just said, "You know what? Let me just take care of this." And I pushed him off to the side. And I took care of creating his email account. Now the guy got what he wanted when it was all completed, but did I do it the right way? Probably not. I could have taught him so that the next tech didn't have to deal with that, <laughs> or he would have been better off in the process, or maybe he would have felt a little better better about the interaction because I wasn't just shoving him out of the way. So pride crowds other people out and pushes them away from us. Finally, and why we're talking about this on a Sunday morning is pride crowds God. Out of our lives, Psalm ten four says, "The wicked are too proud to seek God. They seem to think that God is dead." The last little piece there in the original language it literally means they seem to think that there is no God. So the proud believe they are the center of their own universe. They've got it all figured out, and not only is there no God, there is no need for a God in whatever it is, whether it's their entire life or a specific situation. And let me tell you one of the ways this shows up. There are a lot of things in the Bible that are ridiculously hard to explain. Creation. God created the world in six days. That's what Genesis says. 
It's hard for us to wrap that concept in our minds.、Uh, whether you believe it's a literal six days or it's just a story and it was an extended period of time, modern science still says there's no way there was one being involved in the creation of God or in creation of、uh, creation. That worked out.、Um, It didn't happen with just one person, right? And they give a lot of other explanations that they can't really support either. But hey, it's science; they've got to be right. Or what about Jonah being swallowed by a fish for three days and getting spit up and somehow getting to live the tale? How do you explain that? Or the multiple miracles we read about, where one day somebody can all of a sudden walk after 30 years of being crippled, or a disease just disappears from their body, and medical science says no. It was a great thing to write. It brought along some believers, but there's no way that happened. So we begin to think, you know what? I'm too smart to believe what the Bible's telling me about that. I'll just kind of categorize that off to, eh, probably not. But then that expands, and all of a sudden we're too good and too smart to believe anything the Bible has to tell us. And we think that we're too intellectual to accept it. But what it comes down to is that it's a pride issue, and that I don't believe. That anyone else could possibly do something that I don't understand, and I'm the center of my own universe, and because of that, there's no room for God in this. So God makes, or pride makes us smaller. Pride crowds other people out, and pride crowds God out. It's a prison. It shuts us in. It shuts God and others out of our lives. Now, as we dig into this series, I want you to keep something in mind,、um, and I hope you come back over the next couple of weeks. But you're going to want this piece no matter what. This series is for me and for you. And what I mean by that is, it's not for the person sitting next to you. It's not for your wife or your husband or your family or your friends or Bob down the street that you thought about as soon as I said the word pride this morning. It's for us. We want to let God speak into our lives about. What pride looks like in us, and what we need to do about it, and that means that we probably shouldn't nudge the person next to us and say, "Hey, did you write that down? That was really important. You should check that out next." Let God be the voice of them, and not us. Right? Let's not try to take that over. Now, the greatest part of this series is that no matter what you believe about God and Jesus, whether you are tracking right along with some of the things that maybe I believe, or Trent believes, or the person sitting next to you believes about Jesus and who he said he was. Or maybe you're still trying to figure things out. You're trying to decide: Do I even believe in a God? The great part is this series. You can still take something home from it, because the early people who followed Jesus they didn't know who he was, what he was doing, where he was going. But what Jesus teaches about humility and pride is so countercultural. It's so revolutionary that it can still turn your world upside down, no matter what you believe about him. So I want to encourage you. If you're in that space, we are just trying to figure some of this out. Connect anyway. Pay attention anyway. Lean into what Jesus teaches about this, because it has the potential to make your life so much better. So let's take a look at a couple of the things that Jesus teaches about humility and about pride. The first is this: Jesus taught that greatness is defined by how well we serve. So greatness isn't about defending ourselves, right? Defending how great I am, defending how much I know about something, or how well I can do something. Right? That might be a natural tendency, but greatness is about leaning into the needs of others. 
Pride robs us of that. Pride robs us of being truly great. And we recognize this, right? Think about the last supervisor you worked for that you actually enjoyed working for. Was it somebody who sat behind a desk and yelled and screamed and pointed fingers and said, go do this, go get that done, and I'll hang out here till it's finished? Or was it somebody who walked right alongside with you for the entire project, who asked, hey, how can I help you out with this? How can I help you get this done? Didn't take it away from you, didn't tell you, hey, this is how you do it better. I'm going to show you the best way to do this, but just wanted to help you. Somebody who stayed late, who got there early, who was right in the trenches with you. I get to see this every week at Epic with Trent. Trent is a phenomenal leader. And what I see him do is he gets here early to help with setup. He's the lead pastor. He does this job every Sunday. It's not easy. (laughs) And Trent shows up every Sunday and he helps with some setup. He goes to a different team and says, hey, what can I do for you? He stays late. He helps with breakdown. He says, hey, how can I help you get done so you can get home to your family quicker? Right? That's great leadership. And we recognize that on a day-to-day basis, right? So Jesus says, it's not how great you are. It's not by defining and telling everybody else how great I am. But instead, it's how well do I serve others? And he lived it out. He didn't just talk about it, but he lived it out. We get to see a great example of it in the last dinner that he has with his disciples. And we miss this reference sometimes because we don't have to deal with this anymore. So they walked around all day in dirt and dust in the Middle East where it's hot and nasty and they didn't have shoes, they had sandals, and they didn't have cars because they didn't have cars. Um, And they couldn't afford animals. uh, And so their feet were kind of filthy. And when they got to somebody's house, they would stop and a servant would wash their feet for them so you didn't track all of that in. And it was even more important if you're going to eat with the person because you didn't want all of that next to your meal as you were eating your food. You weren't going to have much of an appetite. And it always fell to the lowest servant in the house because it was the worst job you had to deal with when somebody came over. Now, at the Last Supper, Jesus gathers all of his disciples together. He brings them in, and he stops them at the door. The teacher, the rabbi, the greatest among them stops them and washes their feet, washes every one of their feet. And that's big because Judas was in that group, right? The guy who betrays him, absolutely sends him to his death and Jesus washes his feet. He could have had somebody else do it. He could have said, you guys figure this out. I'll meet you at dinner. Come when you got it all done. And instead he kneels down and physically serves his disciples. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. The Son of God takes such a low position to serve others. And what do I get out of that? That it doesn't matter how crappy the job is. It doesn't matter whether it's my job to do or not. It doesn't matter whether I think the person I'm doing it for deserves to have it done. I need to do it anyway. I need to serve well. So greatness is defined by how well we serve. The second thing is this. Jesus initiated reconciliation. So he's the one who started the process to make us right. This is huge. Right? They didn't just wait around for us to try and fix it, right? They didn't sit up in heaven and sit there and go, okay, once they've got it figured out, and once they're in a better place, and once they, hey, uh, we screwed up, could we get a little... They didn't do that. Romans 5.8 says this, God demonstrates his own love toward us 
and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We're in the middle of our filth, our sin, our guilt. And Jesus takes the initiative to step into humanity and begin the process of healing. When we approach our relationships this way, it totally changes our world, right? There is almost nothing we deal with on a relationship level that can't be fixed, that can't be healed, that can't be mended if we look at relationships in this way. And it's completely against everything we're wired to do. Because think about the last time somebody spoke poorly of you or was unhappy with you and told you to your face or spoke against somebody you love. Was your first reaction to go to them to fix the issue? Not to bite their head off, not to yell at them, not to tell them how wrong they were, but to fix the issue? Or was our first reaction to stand back and say, no, you need to come fix this, right? They need to come to me. They need to come apologize to me. They need to recognize that they were wrong and they hurt me. But that's not our example. And that's why it's so difficult for us to do is that's our normal reaction. And Jesus says, no, you need to step forward and make the first reaction You need to step forward and try to move that relationship forward. It's tough, it's hard, but think about how great our relationships would be if we did this on a regular basis. With your kids, with your parents, with your families, it's not easy, it's not fun, but think about the way it would change your relationships if we lived this way from day to day. The invitation to follow Jesus in these teachings is an invitation to un follow pride. Now, the New Testament Christians, they were trying to figure all this out too. And this guy named Paul wrote a whole bunch of letters to different churches in the New Testament. And he was just giving them encouragement, direction, instruction, because it's hard to figure this stuff out. What does it look like for us to live like Jesus on a day-to-day level? And so Paul sent out these different letters and he wrote to this church in Philippi, in Philippians chapter 2, And he's talking about the relationships that they have with each other. And Paul says this, beginning in verse five. So in your relationships, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So take the same approach in life that Jesus did. Paul set the bar a little high sometimes, but that's okay. Take the same approach in life. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. So Jesus doesn't take what he deserves. And he deserves it all, right? He's God. He shows up and he already knows everything, but that's not how he shows up. Verse seven, instead, he gave up his divine privileges and he took on the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. So instead of showing up in all of his glory and power and saying, hey guys, this is how we do it. This is how you need to do it. This is how we're gonna make this right. Jesus shows up humbly and looking to serve the people that he's reaching out to. In verse eight, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. So he makes the conscious decision to place himself below the people he's coming to serve and to say, how can I serve you? And he humbles himself to death on a cross. Now, what's he asking us to do? Is he asking us to apologize to somebody, to write a letter, 
to start a conversation or maybe to quit talking and listen to somebody for once? Is he asking us to tell our kids that we love them and that we're proud of them to shine the spotlight somewhere else for a little while? Is he asking us to make time to go to a recital or a play or a ball game to get ourselves out of the center of our universe and pay attention to somebody else? What's it cost? Not our lives, right? It costs us our pride and some time and a little energy but not nearly the price that our example pays. Jesus does all of that and he says, okay, now follow me. It's not easy. It's not always simple. But if we choose to look at humility and pride in this way, it turns our world upside down. Because this level of humility, it breaks the power of pride in our lives. And I would rather do that than allow pride to continue to control me, right? Continue to make decisions for me because I don't want my marriage or my career or my relationships or my friendships to be based on what pride decides for me. I want it to be based on something completely different. We need to follow Jesus and unfollow pride. Now this week, I'm going to send you home with some homework. Everybody say, yay! Yeah, I know. Everybody's like, no, I'm out. Um, there are these three questions that I want you to consider this week. And they're just to help us begin to recognize pride in our lives. So on your way out, you'll be handed one of these cards. And on the back side of the card are the three questions that we're going to go over this morning. Put it somewhere where you can see it on a daily basis. Put it on a bathroom mirror or stick it to your refrigerator or in your car somewhere, somewhere where you're going to see it every day. And go over the questions and be honest with yourself. And answer these questions for yourself because you deserve to know, you owe it to yourself to know, where does pride take control in my life? So here are the three questions. Number one, how does pride manifest itself in you? What's it look like in your life? If you don't know the answer to this, the person next to you probably does. <laughs> Ask them. It really can be hard to recognize pride in our own lives. So give them permission to talk to you. Give them permission to be honest. Try and put your hands behind your back and tap your foot and listen. But let somebody talk to you about what does pride look like in my life? I'll give you an example. Um, I love sharing this stuff, but that's okay. Um, I'm an orderly person, right? I like rules. I like policies. I like things that get me from point A to point B uh, in the most efficient way possible. I don't love chaos. Um, I don't mind stepping into chaos and fixing it, but I don't love chaos. I have two kids. <laughs> One just turned a year, and then my son turns four in July. Kids are chaos. They don't just bring it, they are chaos. <laughs> and I have a tough time with that sometimes. Um, and so it's not unusual for me to walk into the house and walk behind the kids. And as they get done with one toy and go to the, I pick that one up and go put it away. And then my poor son goes, what, where'd he go? Um, I just, it just, it drives me insane. Um, and so as my son gets a little older, uh, you guys at least some of you know what it's like to have a three- or four-year-old. It's trying. Um, they're learning, right? They're still learning what it means to be a human, to be social, to figure this stuff out. I want him to be a little adult. I want him to have it done already. Have you guys uh, ever seen The Sound of Music? 
in the Von Trapp family and he blows the whistle and all the kids come running and line up in the... As a kid, I was convinced that's what my house would look like, right? As soon as dad walks in the room, everything's done. All right, we're good to go. He's, he's gone. Okay, we can play. <laughs> and I was convinced that that's what my life would look like. It doesn't look like that because I have kids and kids are little humans trying to figure it out. Now, I started to think this was a parenting issue because it is our job as parents to instruct our children. And I want my kids to love God. I want my kids to want to be like Jesus. I want them to want to serve like Jesus. But I can step over that line sometimes. And sometimes I'm a whole lot more worried about what the guy at the next table thinks about me as a parent than I am about how I'm instructing my son. Is it time to step in? I need to step in in love. I need to instruct in love. I need to have grace and mercy in that interaction. I need to not be worried about what Joe next door thinks about my three-year-old being a three-year-old. And so that's an example of how pride is showing up in my life and I need to work on it. Once you get that figured out, write it down on the card. It might be one thing, it might be 10, I don't know. There's a little bit of room on there. Write it down and then verbalize it. And it sounds ridiculous, but say it out loud. Because once we hear it, once we actually hear it, then we can recognize it a little easier. The next time it shows up, it's a little easier to go, oh, that's pride. That's not something else. And then we can begin to work on it. Question number two, what does pride masquerade as in you? So this one's a little bit different. How does pride hide in your life? Is it confidence? Is it intellect? Is it fashion or finances or sarcasm or commitment to excellence? In and of themselves, they're not bad things, but when they begin to take control from us and they make the decisions that we should be making, then is that really pride hiding under a different name in our lives? And then finally, how much longer do you plan to let pride control you? This is a little rhetorical. Hopefully the answer is not much longer. <laughs> but I put it in there for a reason, and it's because we need to actually make the switch in our head that, hey, this is something I need to deal with. And I don't want to let it go on forever. I don't want Ephraim to grow up and go, man, my dad was a real jerk as a kid. <laughs> you know, I don't want him to see me that way. I don't want him to remember me that way. So I need to work on this and work on it now. I would much rather be free of the entanglements that come with pride and take control back in my life than to hang on to pride and what feels comfortable and normal right now. And how do we do it? We act out against pride, which sounds a little weird, but we need to take actions in our lives that put pride in its place. So we choose to apologize to somebody, whether we're 100% wrong, partially wrong, Maybe we're not wrong at all, but that hardly ever happens. We choose to make the first step and apologize to somebody else. We compliment somebody. They got the promotion I really wanted that I worked hard for, but I'm going to compliment them anyway because I'm not going to let pride control me in this situation. We brag on somebody else, on our kids, on our wives, on our loved ones, on our friends, and we say, hey, check out what they're doing. It's awesome. I'm going to connect at Epic or my home church, I'm going to join a small group, or I'm going to get into starting point, or I'm going to join a team that serves because that's how I'm truly great. And so pride, I'm not going to let you control this piece of my life. I'm going to connect. I'm going to pray. I might pray out loud. 
I might pray with somebody else, but I'm going to choose to pray and let God speak into my life about this. I'm going to admit that I'm doing this to somebody else. When we verbalize it, when we admit it, when we talk to somebody about it, one, it's a little easier to work on. Two, you're not doing it alone anymore. The worst thing in the world is to go into a battle like this all by yourself. You're going to get disheartened in a heartbeat. And so instead, talk to somebody about it and have somebody on your side because they're going to encourage you. They're going to help you out. They're going to occasionally point out when you're doing the thing you shouldn't be doing. But it's so much better to do it with more than just yourself. When we act out against pride, it no longer has the power to shut us in, to shut God and other people out in our lives. And why would we want to continue to give up control to something that's setting us up for a fall instead of choosing to follow Jesus and unfollow pride? I want to wrap up today by praying for us as a group. I want to pray that God gives us courage this week because this really isn't an easy task. It's not easy questions to deal with. So I want to pray for us as a group, and I want to encourage you guys, come back next week as we continue to look at what pride looks like in different situations. So let's pray, then you guys can head out. Father God, this is not an easy topic to deal with. It's not an easy thing to talk about. It's not an easy thing for us to work through, because pride is something that gets entangled into our emotions, and we feel hurt. We feel like we deserve. We feel like this is the way it should be. And God, I pray that you would help us to separate ourselves from those emotions and to recognize that pride is something we need to let go of. I pray that you would give us courage this week to go through these questions, permission to be honest with ourselves. And Father, that you would speak clearly to us about the areas in our life where something else, pride is taking control and we no longer have that anymore. God, let us be more like you this week than we were last. And I pray that we would serve the people around us and that we would love them with your love. Thank you, Father God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys have a great week. We'll see you all next Sunday. Take care. Well, good morning. Welcome to Epic. My name is Tim Jones. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and we are so glad that you're here with us today. If you are new uh, to Epic, thank you so much for joining us. And if you'd like to find out more information about Epic, please stop by our Connection Center, and they would be able to meet you and get to know you and then help you as uh, you'd like in terms of finding out about Epic. Well, next week is Father's Day, so this is a heads up to you, all right? So get the cards and uh, get ready to send them, but next week is Father's Day, and for during our second service, we're going to have a segment where we're going to do a child dedication, and it's amazing. If you haven't seen one of our child dedications, parents come on up, and they're so proud, and they're smiling, and they are dedicating themselves to God, and they're dedicating their children to God and saying, we're going to raise our children towards God, so if you would like to participate in that, uh, please visit our website and go to the sign up tab and sign up for that. And then they'll be able to contact you and get you ready for next Sunday for that. And then um, in three weeks, the 4th of July is upon us. And every 4th of July, Epic participates in the parade down at Flagler Beach. And this year, we're actually having two floats. And so we need your help. 
uh, if you could bring in a bag of hard candy uh, that we can toss out to the crowd, if not, they kind of get a little angry and, you know, uh, they like their candy down there. But if you could help us out with that, bring on by the Connection Center uh, a bag of hard candy and we'll toss that out. And then if you're not doing anything during the 4th of July, come on out to the parade because it's an opportunity where we can connect with our community and celebrate our country's um, birth. And so it'll be a great opportunity to be for our county and show them that we are for our community as well. And then just want to say thank you guys. Thank you so much for your generosity. I want to give you an update. So because of you, we are, able, are going to be able to build four houses in Guatemala for our mission trips. And then, yep, go ahead. And then because of your generosity as well, uh, you gave $3,000 to help people who were in Nepal go through all those earthquakes, have their lives turned upside down. And so we're sending $3,000 to a great organization to be able to help those who continue to suffer from the results of those earthquakes. So yeah, let's just uh, celebrate those moments together for that. And it's because of your generosity that we're able to do those types of things. We're able to do the 4th of July parade right here in our community. We're able to send teams to Guatemala to build houses. And we're even able to help strangers in another country. And so thank you guys so much for doing that on a regular basis. If you would like to join us in continuing to partner with us financially, there's two ways that you can give. You can give through the giving boxes located at the end of each section or also securely online through theepicchurch.com. Well, that's all the announcements that I have, but if you want to know what's going on at Epic on a regular basis, like us on Facebook or check out theepicchurch.com. There's a calendar of events on there as well, and so you'll be informed of what's going on at Epic. Well, today we are starting a brand new three-part series, and before we dive in, um, I'm going to pray, and after that, they're going to show a video, and you have permission to laugh at the video, okay? Just giving you a heads up. You can laugh at, in church and at this video. So let's pray together. So, Father, uh, we just thank you so much for what you are doing, and you are just so great. Thank you for the beginning of summer, something new, and you are always doing something new in our lives. And so, God, through this series, would you just teach us what you want us to learn, and would you show us who you are? And so we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.